This is E2B, Energy to Business, a podcast by Opportune, where we bring you in-house expertise that serves all energy sectors. We examine emerging financial and technology trends and provide a broad perspective on ways to stay ahead, create opportunities, and execute market strategies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of E2B, Energy to Business. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We really appreciate you listening along to some opportune and, more broadly, some energy and oil and gas industry thought leadership. As we maneuver today's conversation with two new entrants to the industry, which we'll introduce here in a second, make sure you're heading to our website for future and previous content. You can find more information at opportune.com. Again, opportune.com. You can also subscribe to E2B on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll have a full catalog of previous conversations, plus notifications when we drop new ones. So on today's episode of the show, we're going to be talking moving the energy industry forward. And this time, we're going to be honing in on the consulting side of the industry and how consulting professionals can help bridge some of the industry's current gaps. We're going to be chatting today with two new hires from the Process and Technology Department here at Opportune. And we're going to be getting their thoughts on not only what led them to join Opportune, as well as the broader energy industry as consulting professionals, but we're also going to be exploring their perspectives on major shifts happening in the industry right now, from the push to renewables at scale to the centering of ESG strategies in business models and day-to-day operations. So here to give us their perspectives, again, as new entrants to the industry and as young blood that's going to carry the industry forward, is Clayton Bornman. She's a consultant at Opportune, and we're also joined by Cooper Ligon another consultant here at Opportune. Clayton, Cooper, great to have you both on. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to go ahead and jump right in and just get a better sense for why you both wanted to join this industry in the first place. I guess now that you're uh, a month or so deep into being a part of the Opportune team, what part of this industry piques your interest the most, right? What gets you amped? What gets you excited about coming into the office every day and being a part of the energy industry? You know, I've thought a lot about this and um, the industry is so vast, but I think that it comes down to um, I'm starting my career at a pivotal point in time in in the industry. Um, The industry is in a transition from hydrocarbons to renewables, and so it's an exciting time to act as a change agent for our clients as many of them will undergo vast changes to their business models. Clayton summed it up really well. For me, I had an internship uh, last summer that started my interest, and it was in midstream with a large player there. And I kind of got my first taste of oil and gas and really liked it. And uh, I'm from Texas A&M, so is Clayton. But <laughs> there's a ton of people in the oil and gas industry there that are professors, and uh, there's a lot of opportunity to learn from people. And I kind of found myself going through Opportunes Recruitment and really enjoyed it and the more I read into the industry, um, like Clayton said, we're at a pivotal point right now, and I think that that's a really unique time for someone who's 21, 22 years old to jump into the industry and kind of put their stamp on it and see what our generation can do with the uh, industry as a whole. 
Well, I pitched it earlier. We are going to get your thoughts on some of the leading trends shaping the industry today. And one of those core ones is centering ESG, environmental, social, and governance strategies in energy industries, uh, various day-to-days, and operational processes. And I'm curious how you feel you were prepared for this shift, being that it's still relatively new. I'm really wondering if you feel like your college experience or your um, various internships prepared you for the ESG shift in oil and gas, as well as the ESG shift in the energy industry as a whole, or was your education, and not to downplay it at all, but was it more of an old school approach to the industry's priorities, and have you had to adjust in the moment to prioritize ESG in your work? Give us your thoughts. I would say, in Miss Clayton, please correct me. She was in business honors and graduated in three years, so she was on a lot more solar path than I was. Uh, but personally, I had a lot of professors that, unless you brought up oil and gas examples or oil and gas industry knowledge, the the typical curriculum was a lot more uh, generalized. Um, Use the word widgets in every single class ever. <laughs> so it was a lot less um, focused. I know Sam on the last podcast had his petroleum ventures program. So he kind of had to seek that out, but within supply chain in the business school, you know, we were talking about widgets, trucks, um, more just generalized items. I think you kind of have to look, look more for it. If you want to find the old oil and gas guys and girls that can really teach you a lot that they know, but overall I would say no at A&M at least. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Um, some of my professors, I feel like they steered away from it almost because of its complexity. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of students don't have much exposure to oil and gas. And so to try to explain a lot of the language to them so that then they can apply it to whatever the subject is that we're learning, um, I think that served as a deterrent for them to bring it up sometimes. But again, you could you could go speak to a professor about it. And some of them, a lot of them had oil and gas experience um, and they, you know, worked in the, before retiring and becoming a professor, they, um, they worked for, you know, ExxonMobil or and big energy companies. And so they brought that experience, but you kind of had to pry it out of them if you were yeah. curious about it. They wouldn't always be open about it. What I find curious about the centering of ESG strategies is that even though the energy industry is um, at least outwardly prioritizing its desire to transition its environmental impact and prioritize its social impact as well as make sure it lines up with coming regulations, it's also facing a lot of criticism and being part of this conversation and being part of this push to revitalize or transition the energy industry. I mean, if anything, a lot of uh, the, I guess, rest of the energy industry views the oil and gas sector as needing to step away from the green energy transition or at least not lead on it. I'm curious y'all's thoughts on this, right? Will oil and gas continue to lead the industry even as it transitions away from oil and gas? I mean, what role do you see these legacy players uh, having during this major transition? The necessity for power is never going to go away. We can bring a lot of people a lot smarter than me onto this podcast and they can actually talk about, you know, where the market's going to go. But all, all direction is saying that, you know, 
people are still going to need power. People are still going to need um, electricity. There's a super common example of what 6% of a barrel goes towards. But um, before having an internship or anything like at this company, a lot of people my age just think, you know, oil and gas is just what goes into your car or your four-wheeler. It's not anything that we think of. And so I think that we're not taught that. And so it is pretty easy to see oil and gas as the big bad wolf, but um, people still need to have their houses kept warm. People are, across the entire world are going to need power, and oil and gas is definitely the most sought-after way to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say it's something that's not discussed frequently enough, um, but everyone has an opinion on it. Mm -hmm. You know, even the, if they're not... Um, as well-versed in it or educated in it, but everyone still has an opinion. I'll be mentioning this a few times during the podcast today, but again, you two are new to Opportune as well as new to the industry, uh, but even in your short tenure here at Opportune, I've already had a lot of important touch points over um, what some of the key changes are for the industry, uh, as well as you know being able to define a bit of your own path being that opportune uh, does a lot to validate and offer, again, those opportunities for differentiation in your career. So I'm curious, where do you see the industry continuing to transition and move forward based on this last, again, month, month and a half that you've had here in the industry? These, you know, these are, it's, it starts with the buzzwords, you know, decarbonization, renewables, uh, electric vehicles, um, and so I think that whether it's an internal decision or from external pressure, their energy companies will um, have to consolidate and adapt into other types of energy. And that, like I said, it could be an internal decision or external pressures like um, government mandates banning the sale of gasoline-powered vehicles in 2030 or um in Britain, that's yeah, happening. It's international yeah, yeah. Uh, Mercedes-Benz announced last week that they were going to be um, entirely switching to battery electric vehicles in 2030, and that's really not that far away. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. Um, I think that it's a really unique time for someone our age to be jumping into the industry, and I think it would be naive to think that. Um, People aren't thinking about the future, you know. You don't go into the energy industry at 22 years old thinking like, oh, like, I'm just going to sit at this desk and we're just going to keep pumping oil out of the ground and then I'll retire. Like, there's obviously, this company's filled with intelligent people and the, in, the industry as a whole does have to change, but I don't think it's ever going to go away. And I think being young and being attentive to that, there's a lot of opportunity to be on the right side of history and create a bunch of really cool opportunities for our careers. All right, let's widen the scope a little bit. Uh, we were just chatting opportune. I want to further that, but this time just get your personal perspectives on what led you to not only join opportune, right? What got you excited about opportune as a company and as a first major career milestone, uh, but more broadly, why choose this specific side of the energy industry? Why enter as a consulting professional? Well, for me, obviously, like I said, I... I have had two internship experiences. Uh, the first one was with a Fortune 500 logistics company, and um, that was unique to see the the amount of bureaucracy and kind of how large companies like that work. Second company again I interned for was 
Fortune 500 midstream company. And again, um, see all those people kind of be a cog in a wheel and make, you know, billions and billions of dollars for that company. But Opportune was kind of the perfect mix of I wanted to work for a quote unquote smaller company. Um, we're obviously private and being able to have that um, opportunity to work with people that have 40 years of experience, 30 plus years of experience in the industry, being able to learn from them um, is super beneficial. But also, like you said, being on the P&T team, um, the skill sets that we're learning aren't going to go anywhere. They're only going to increase in value and necessity. And I think it's a really cool opportunity to kind of force ourselves to dive into that field, um, whether it be for uh, working for energy companies or anything else, I think that the skills that we're learning right now are invaluable and we're going to take them wherever we go, no matter what. Mm -hmm. For me, um, I had an internship as well with an oil and gas company. And um, through the business school at Texas A&M, I realized that I was interested in a more fast-paced environment um, where I could learn a lot about a lot of different things and develop a vast knowledge base. Um, and so consulting bridged the gap between my interest in oil and gas from my internship um, previously and my passion for those fast-paced, um, very complex problems. And P&T specifically, um, you know, successful businesses can be a lot about you know, who can operate faster, better, stronger, um, and data analytics and those types of things um, will enable and enhance more effective decision-making. And as we've touched on earlier, there are a lot of big decisions to be made as we are in a pivotal point um, in the industry. And so that, that definitely piqued my interest. Thanks for all your perspectives so far, Cooper and Clayton. Again, I uh, appreciate getting to chat with y'all and get this fresh perspective on where you see the industry heading and how you plan to play a role in motivating some of those changes, especially as a consultant where you have so many touch points, um, getting the energy industry to take advantage of so many of the technologies available to them. Let's go ahead and dig in further into some of those technologies. Which are some of the emerging ones in the energy industry that are drawing a lot of your interest right now or that you feel are set to have a real impact? And uh, just to clarify, these don't have to be technologies that you necessarily work with every day or you have immediate touch points with, but just ones that you've already seen get a lot of buzz and a lot of validation from the industry. Which ones do you see being those major technologies and why? Um, I think that from the... From the short time that me and Clayton have both been here at Opportune, we've kind of noticed that um, data analytics, especially at our level, is going to be really, really important. Um, I think that if you look at like the timeline, before, for a long time, the oil and gas industry was just very analog. One person was looking at one button, and they'd stamp it, and then things would go right, and then they'd go home to a home-cooked meal. And now we're moving on to this time of oil and gas companies are looking at their uh, budgets and they're going to try to realize that they can either invest in tech now and be able to learn how to look at all the data that they've just been accumulating for the last 10 years. And I think that the visualization tools that are coming up, like the Power BI stuff that me and Clayton are working on right now, is a really good way to teach you know, the, the employees that have worked all the way from the analog now to they're sitting in the top office to show them what it all actually means give them the best decision-making ability. Um, I'm sure there's a ton more out there that 
there's an opportunity to learn. I think opportunity gives us that opportunity to always be continuously learning, especially on the bench. Um, but for right now, I think visualization tools are really, really unique, and there's a bunch new coming out and a lot of opportunity for that. Yeah, we've had um, a lot of exposure to Power BI so far, and um, which involves a lot of the vis visualizations. And um, just being able to sift through all of the data um, and create something that is simple and easy for someone to understand and look at in a glance and, and understand the big picture and the big messages, um, that is our job to determine what, what's most valuable, what's most important for them, because um, they're not going to want to sift through all of that. And, um, and so I, I agree. I think there's a lot in, in the visualizations and simplifying it. And also security is something else that we've talked about lately in the, the cybersecurity breaches and things of that sort. And just to harken back to the Colonial Pipeline example, um, that sort of one-two punch to cybersecurity resiliency, as well as the financial crunch that the pandemic brought to every industry, but obviously also to the oil and gas market, I think really refocused where data is going to be most useful. Yes, data can be used to predict out changes to the industry and try to, uh, you know, future-proof processes and build some uh, proactive resiliency to changes as well as some proactive strategies for things like investments in new technologies and new resources. But again, I think things like the uh, cybersecurity breach of the Colonial Pipeline or the broader market forces putting a financial crunch on the industry are revalidating how much data in the now, right, and data usage and collection in the now for right now applications, just how important that really is to respond to today's market pressures from, again, cybersecurity to economic instability. So what are your y'all's thoughts on maneuvering those competing data interests in the industry, the long-term versus the short-term ones, and how should teams strategize around putting that data to good use in both scenarios or maybe just one over the other? I think the realization that data is valuable is kind of new um, for a long, long time. I'm assuming whenever the first computer was made, someone was trying to figure out, you know, everyone's always trying to find out competitive advantages, so I'm assuming cybersecurity has always been an issue. I think now it's becoming more prevalent and it's affecting people on a more singular basis. Whenever, you know, the common theory of people don't want to talk to their friends because then they get the Facebook ad or the Amazon ad. Um, but you're, we are, our generation and everyone in the world is kind of realizing how valuable data is. I think there is a huge push towards a lot of industry 4.0 stuff with like blockchain. And um, with that, also, you're going to have a lot more. We're learning how to get a lot more data with like internet of things as well as like robotic automation and stuff like that so we're getting more data we're learning that data is more valuable so there's going to be a huge push towards like you said cybersecurity, keeping that data but also learning how to take that massive excel file and make it something valuable yeah and, and like you said people don't know how much it hurts until they've been hurt, you know, yeah. um, they don't take it often. They don't take it seriously enough until they personally have been impacted or they being company. Um, and so, you know, I think that these cybersecurity hacks, if you will, um, those are something that's universally relatable. 
you know, not every company can relate to upstream, downstream, midstream, or to oil and gas in any way, or, um, but you can relate to being hacked, um, no matter if you are a Yeah, you're really company. scared of it. Yeah, yeah. yes. And so, um, you know, there, we are a, a client-facing service business. And so, um, you know, if there's no pain, there won't be a sale. And so I think that cybersecurity issues is in that, that universal pain has definitely created an opportunity. Um, yeah, pain or fear. Whichever mm-hmm. they're both, I'm sure, daunting and scary. All right, let's hearken our conversation back to the earlier points of you being fresh entrance to the industry. I want to talk a little bit more about your roles as consultants now. So again, as fresh hires to the Opportune team, what do you think the benefits are of having a consulting team like the two of you help scrub, build, and be involved in the process and technology as well as data use side of the energy industry for some of these companies. Uh, why get third parties like the Opportune team in the door if you're an energy company, right? What have you learned there and what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the, the mentality of if it, ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it um, is dying and it needs to go. Um, just because it's not broke doesn't mean that it can't be um, automated. And I think for especially... And correct me if I'm wrong, Clayton, but for kind of the traditional oil or energy employee, uh, let's say you're a clerk or something like that, an accounts payable clerk, and you've had the same computer that looks like you're hacking into the matrix, and you log in and you do the same thing every single month. Um, I think the theory or idea of bringing in consultants that are on a process and technology team is scary because it's we're bringing in automation or bringing in ease for the company as a whole. Um, so I think that is scary. And I think people are going to, we receive a lot of backlash from certain levels because it is, um, it's just kind of a fact that a lot of things are changing and you might not need 50 different employees to input data whenever we can have a software system that can have one, two, a team of two people look after it and it does the same amount of work for a fraction of the cost. So I think that's kind of what you're talking about. There's a lot of kind of anxiety whenever outside consultants are brought in, but I think it's, you know, it's a compliment in one way. I look at it. Yeah. People are, many people are naturally change averse. And so if you bring in a stranger, it's, you know, well, why should I trust them? Why, what makes them qualified to fix my problem when they have no clue what this problem is yet? Um, and so, you know, it is something that we have to live and breathe, but that is our job. And it is our duty to understand, to sift through and unpack and, you know, identify what that core problem is and um, overcome the barriers to entry, if you will, and, and overcome the barriers to trust and um, and that's where you know a lot of the soft skills come in, and that's why um, you, you you build those networks of relationships, and because uh, that helps. And so I think the value that consultants can provide is fresh eyes and a new perspective. And if you've been looking at the same issue for so long, there is something to be said about stepping back from it and having a new person look at it. I mean going back to elementary school, we would write a paper and then have 
a peer read it. Why? Because they haven't been in that paper, you know, so it's the same idea, um, just in more complex scale. No, yeah, y'all are spot on there. And, you know, I'd say opportune, it really helps bring a fresh set of eyes and experience, storied experience, but again, fresh experience just in the context of helping this specific company, right? Uh, and help companies see some of their processes and analyze them in a way that uh, maybe helps them see where they've taken said workflows for granted. Because Opportune brings the knowledge base to people that may only scratch at the surface of uh, data use at scale or the cutting edge of process and technology and only get deeper when there's a critical need to address some of these workflows or when it's already too late uh, and you have to play a game of catch-up and reaction to a critical need. I feel like that's an important point. Yeah, what are your thoughts there? Having a problem that you want to bring someone outside in and you're paying a team of professional problem solvers, um, whether whether we're quote-unquote experienced in upstream, midstream, downstream, PNT, cybersecurity, data analytics, there's clearly a problem and there's clearly a, an opportunity for any company like Opportune to come in there and um, make make light of the situation and be able to solve it and help that company and help the people that are experiencing that task instead of them just going along with the day being like, yeah, it's the way it always is, it's the way it's always going to be. Well, it doesn't have to be, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, no two problems will ever be the same, yeah. but we pride ourselves on being experts. And so what we do is we take what we've learned in previous experiences, previous projects, and apply that to the current situation. And the application will not be identical. Again, no two problems are the same, but um, we bring in a, a diverse knowledge base of experts in all different types of parts of the industry. And um, I think we can it's a unique opportunity to add value and solve those pain points and problems or fear points that they have. Yeah, to Opportune's credit, just within our new hired class, um, we have three corporate finance guys, all with different backgrounds from AM. I was supply chain management and entrepreneurship. You were business honors and management, mm -hmm. consulting. And then we have Kira and Morgan, who were both at OU with um, their energy management. And so, having just within that group, you know, we've been hanging out for three weeks now. Um, and just being able to talk to them about what they've learned. I was the only guy that kind of focused on industry 4.0 and supply chain stuff, but just today we were talking about um, OCM and Clayton Lurie, like that's all she learned about her quote-unquote senior year because she graduated early. Um, and then Kira and Morgan have been all over the oil and gas stuff that me and Clayton didn't really know about. So opportune, you know, that's just four people that we've been hanging out with. Then we have the finance guys who – walked us through uh, our pillars of Wall Street that was hurting me and hurting Clayton, but they were flying through because that's what they did at a &M. So that's just a subset of seven people. Then, you know, whenever you have 300 people at this company with 30 years experience, there's not a door you can't knock on to solve a problem. And I think that's what companies are paying us for. All right, to start to wrap up the conversation, I want to widen the scope just a little bit more. We're going to chat the industry more broadly as well as Opportune a little more broadly as well. Uh, something that I love about what Opportune does with its employees is I feel like Opportune does a good job of valuing 
what you bring internally to the company and to the brand and helping you evangelize those skills and those talents. Uh, but I also, based on other interviews I've done with the Opportune team, I feel as though Opportune does a pretty solid job of praising you for what you bring externally as well, right? Insights that you've gained outside of Opportune and letting you apply those and use them to elevate Opportune's processes and therefore grow the whole company and your careers. Is that something that you've felt during your first month, month plus here at the company and in the industry? Yes, no, why or why not? What have been your experiences? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, like I said, like I've I've been super happy and blessed with the last few internships I've had. Um, there's I've had a ton of great mentors. I think that's why I am the you know the quote unquote employee I am now, the man I am now. I've had a lot of great leaders, um, but one of the biggest things I didn't like enough was my dad's in the uh, construction industry, and anytime anything ever happened in anyone's house. My dad would just be like, oh, yeah, I've got a guy. Oh, yeah, I've got a guy for that. Oh, yeah, I've got a guy. So I think opportune, you know, I kind of catch myself thinking about that. Whenever there's any problem faced, oh, yeah, I've got a guy for that. Like right now, uh, Rob Roberts is a director in P&T, and there's any any question that I've even thought about, he'll just look at me and answer it. And I'm like, thanks, Rob. I mean, there's, there's directors, like, in every aspect that have been on deals or projects for five years. And they can tell you everything they know about that, and they're willing to tell you. And I think that Opportunity's first company, I've seen that um, allows people to kind of, you know, if they want to go uh, an inch wide and a mile deep, and they can learn really about what they want to learn about, that's celebrated because you're going to be that guy whenever that one thing comes up. So, Yeah, I've talked about this um, with family, friends, and people here at Opportune, and one of my favorite things is the intentionality of everybody at the firm. And, and like Cooper was saying, they celebrate your successes. They celebrate who you are. And they also want to continue to cultivate you and shape you and nurture your development and your growth, yeah. whatever that looks like. Yeah, you have to. I was talking, again, I was talking to friends about that because we're all seniors or, or former seniors are all, all graduated. And we try to stay active in our friendships. And I'll get calls like, oh, man, how's your new job? Well, I think I'll, you know, it's good. I'll let you know in January whenever I can actually answer that question. But um, Opportune is unique because, you know, we are the product, if that makes sense. Like, Opportune is so, so heavy relying on employee development. And it's super, you know, eye-opening to see how much they care about us. Because at the end of the day, we are the, we are the product. We represent Opportune whenever we put our boots on the ground and go client-facing and um, having the ability to, without a doubt in your mind, be the best consultant you can be and continually growing is going to be the best not only for you, but for opportune and then consequently for that client during that period. So, And being part of such an important team at the company, what are you most excited to work on? What are you most excited to learn with the process and technology team, especially in the context of some of these major market motivators that we've been talking about? So again, what's getting you amped about being a part of this team and uh, moving forward with the team and why? Mm, you know, we've touched on this a lot, but living in the height of the, the digital era that is only advancing and my eyes have just been absolutely opened in the last several weeks of training to all of the different types of data systems and data analytics. And so that, um, that really excites me because again, that is 
only going to grow. And so um, I think delving deeper into that, and um, I know my eyes will only be opened more. And then also, you know, on a more personal level, I I hope to have an established brand with Opportune and, um, and to be known for you know, work ethic and quality and attention to detail and to how I treat people. Um, and I, and I don't think those two things have to be separated. I think I can, I can, you know, be in the depths of the data and still, and still do that and establish that brand. All right, Clayton Cooper, we're just about done with the conversation. Let's rewind the clock a little bit to give some final thoughts. So if you had to look back on you, right, and you as a young professional, maybe two years ago or so, and if you had to give advice to other young professionals eyeing the energy industry as a career or young professionals who were in a similar position as you, what would you tell them to focus on to succeed and to uh, really command a, a useful and a rewarding career in the energy industry and why? Growing up, I was... For some reason, uh, whenever I would play like, little league sports or anything like that, my mom would always make me go up to the coach on the first day and say, Hey, coach, my name's Cooper Ligon. Um, I'm here to do anything you need me to do. No matter, you know, no matter what position I wanted to play, no matter anything like that, right? Um, and so I've kind of like just taken that with me my whole life. And so... Um, Anything that anybody wants me to do, I, you know, my I kind of want to be the brand as a utility player. The Astros had a really good one that took them to the 2017 World Series. But uh, being the guy that is honest and say, hey, I might not know that, but I'm I'm willing to give it everything I've got. And if not, I've got Clayton over here that cut me out. I've got you know I've got Morgan. I've got Kira. So trying to learn everything I can, be a sponge this first year. Um, learn from the guys that have 35 years of experience and just kind of sit there and listen to them and listen to Rob Roberts just go on and on about Microsoft and how cool it is and just being being in being in here for the first year I think is the best goal and I mean let's get a little dicey too right what would you tell upper management or other legacy players in the industry um you know what would what would you tell them insight-wise? What would you pass along their way if you had the platform to do so? I mean, being young leaders in the industry, I think it's important to set that tone and to be part of the change you want to see. So hit me with it. What do you see as some of the insights you wish you could tell leadership across the industry and why? I think a life worth lived is a life of intentionality. And I talked about this earlier, um, I chose opportunity because of its intentionality. And um, I think about the reason they chose me is because of my intentionality. And I was intentional in school. Um, and and you never you never let that rest. And, and you give it, give something with your whole heart. And you were just talking about passion. And um, so that's what I would say. It comes down to being intentional. and. Um, do you have the heart? Do you have the drive? And are you that that one course you don't know, but you will find out? All right. Any closing thoughts from the two of you before we wrap this one up? For the idea of someone younger than me, I think being self-aware is the first step of um, learning, being um, competently incompetent, as my dad likes to say. You uh, you have to you have to know what you don't know first. Like me and Clayton have been drinking 
they've been saying it's like drinking from a uh, fire hydrant last few weeks and it's super awesome because there's so much out there to learn um but for those older than me i think that um kind of what clayton was talking about with like being intentional um another sports reference here but i kind of want you kind of want to be the guy that if it's third and one you're getting the ball no matter what you're, you're willing to take it you Personally, I know I'll never be the quarterback, but without a doubt in my mind, I'll be the I'll be the fullback with the, with the cowboy collar willing to put it in on third and one. Um, and being able to have that ability to grit through things and being able to go the extra mile. There's a famous saying that there's no traffic on the extra mile. Um, so just trying to always go above and beyond. I think it's really good for not only my personal brand, but for opportunity as a whole. Yeah, and just to touch on that, um something that I learned the hard way is that it is exhausting to work against yourself. Um, find people who know you and who love you and support you. And, and again, be intentional with that relationship. And, um, it really does come easier and that's where self-awareness and that grit comes in that Cooper was talking about. Perfect. Well, Clayton Cooper, Thank you so much to the two of you for joining us on this episode of E2B. It's really been a pleasure sourcing your insights as young professionals in the energy industry and at Opportune and better understanding how you see some of these core trends shaping out for the industry and how you plan to be a part of that change. So thank you again to our two guests, Clayton Bornman, a consultant at Opportune, and Cooper Ligon, also a consultant at Opportune. Clayton. Cooper, great to have you both on. It's really been a pleasure, and we'll chat again soon. And thank you, everyone, for listening to and watching another episode of E2B, Energy to Business, an opportune podcast. If you like what you heard and saw and you'd like to listen to previous episodes, make sure that you're tuning in on opportune.com. Again, opportune.com. And make sure that you're subscribing to E2B on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you next time.